14, verse 27, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And so in one sense, he's speaking to all of us. And he says, peace I leave with you. So now can we take him at his word? Now if we can't take him at his word, then we're all in trouble. What did he leave with us? Peace. And then he, he said something else. He said, my peace I give to you. Now, if you really understand something about the peace of God, and we'll, we'll see this in a scripture here in just a moment, that it passes all understanding. In other words, you can't explain the peace of God adequately to anybody. Uh, I know there's been situations in, in my life, and I've watched other people in situations where the, the storm was raging around them. You know what I mean when I say the storm? I don't mean a, a physical storm, but the circumstances. The, the, you know, the bill collector was on one side. The negative doctor report was on the other side. Yet... They had peace about them. And, and, and you'd ask them, how, 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 how can you be so peaceful in the midst of, of all of this? And they'll tell you, I don't know. If you have the peace of the Lord, you really won't be able to explain it. When the storm is raging. I know there's been some times in my life where, where people would ask me, how can you be so at rest in the midst of what's going on, and I, my, my response would be, I don't know. Other than it was the peace of God. See, when the peace of God is flowing in your life, you'll, you'll, you'll be at ease when there's really no reason to be at ease. You understand that? Um, when we bought this property, the debt service on it, for the first seven or eight years of this ministry, the debt service. You know what? How many knows what I mean when I say debt service? Do you know what I mean when I say debt service? What I mean by that is before we ever paid a penny for the lights or uh, for the electric bill or for the uh, water bill or any other, other bills, but long before we ever got to a salary, we had... Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that we needed every month to pay the mortgage on the building and on the land before we ever got to the electric bill and the water bill and, the, and, then, and then to my salary and all of that. Did, did you get what I just said? Now, you, you can ask my wife and she'll tell you that under normal circumstances, that w I would have been a nervous wreck. Absolute nervous wreck. Is that right? Twiddling my thumbs, walking from room to room, adding up the budget continually. Is that correct? Under normal circumstances. But you see, I wasn't under normal circumstances. I had the peace of God on it. And I can honestly say, I never fretted one, not one moment about where the money was going to come from. The money was always there. And, and, and it was always more than enough. But under normal circumstances, I'd have been a nervous wreck. Absolutely. 
I said I'd have been a nervous wreck. But I never had any care about it. Never lost any sleep over it. Never got up and received special offerings. We've never done that around here. Hardly ever talk about money. How could I be so calm in the midst of all of that? It's the peace of God. And I couldn't explain it to anybody. Why I was so at rest in St. Louis County when we were in the midst of building this building. They had one of the inspectors look me right in the eye and say, You'll never finish this project, you know, this, that, and the other. And I just never, never bothered me. Been in the building year, many years now. Never bothered me. How, how can I how, how can I say it never bothered me? It was the peace of God, and I couldn't explain it to anybody. Couldn't even begin to explain it, because we'll see in a moment. There's a verse that says that the peace of God passes all understanding. You can't you can't explain it. Then notice he says, "Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you." So that's a good deal. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Well, that's, that's good to know. I don't trust the world as far as I can throw it. I'm not talking about planet Earth now. I'm talking about the world system. You understand? How many of you know the world will lie to you? The world will promise you things it can't deliver. And Jesus says, "Not now, now, we're talking about getting his peace. He says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Now, you, let me say this. You can't find the peace that I just talked about a moment ago. You can't find that in the world. Yet the world will offer you peace. There is some peace to be found, but not like the peace that I've been talking about. You can't find this peace of God in the world. You can't find it in relationships. When I was a kid growing up, I thought, well, if I could just have that girl for my wife, long before I ever met Diane, as, you know, I was in my teens, and if I could just have that girl, I'd just be so tranquil, I'd just be so lovely. And then, and then there was one after that as well, and... And looking back at it now, if I'd have got either one of them, it would have been a miserable life. There would have been no peace. And as much as I love my wife, as much peace as she gives me, it's still not like having the peace of the Lord. I don't know if you got what I just said. I didn't say that to demean her. But you can't find the peace of God, the fullness of it, in any one relationship with another human being. You certainly can't find it in your bank account. Now, you know, I mean, I was talking about money there a while ago with the church and all, you know. But, you know... There is some peace. How many of you, on normal circumstances, if, if you've got more bills than you have money, that's not a very peaceful situation, is it? It, it just isn't. It, it, it just isn't. And, and how many of you know that if you have more money than you have bills, there is some peace with that? 
Isn't there? I mean, and if you've got some money saved up so that if, you know, your car went out or, or, or the refrigerator broke or whatever the case, and you've got some money saved up, uh, there's some peace in knowing that there's money in the bank, isn't there? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But that peace, as wonderful as it is, is not like having the peace of God. Because, see, you can have the peace of God when you don't have money in the bank. And when you have more bills than you have money. Did you get what I just said? See, the, the kind of peace that comes from the world is when you've got more money than you have bills. But the kind of peace that comes from God is you can have that peace when you've got more bills than you have money. Did, did you get that? Did you, did you get what I just said? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh my wife and I, we got to build our dream home. You know, there's not many people get to do that. But we got to do that. It's a blessing. And I thought, once we had that dream home that we're, that we're living in to this day, I thought, oh, that'd be... You know, it's nice, it's wonderful. But that in and of itself doesn't give you the peace of God. There's, there's peace in having a nice house. Don't misunderstand me. But it's not like this peace of God that we're talking about. Because you can have this peace of God if you don't have even a place to live. Did you get what I just said? You can. I mean, when we were going to Bible school, we lived in, in, a, in a little apartment. There was nothing wrong with it. Thank God for it. But we had just as much peace of God in that little apartment as we do living in our dream home. Because, see, the peace of God, like the joy of the Lord, we talked about the joy of the Lord last week. The peace of God, the joy of the Lord, is not based on circumstances. You can have joy and you can have peace, the peace of God, no matter what the circumstances are. How many of you know houses, clothes, cars, all of that can't bring you long-lasting peace, the peace of God? And I'll even throw one at you that you may not think about. But you know, how many of you would rather get a good doctor's report than a bad doctor's report? I'd rather get a good doctor's report. And did you know that a good doctor's report can bring you some peace, can it not? It can bring you some peace of mind, and that's good, and that's wonderful. I know every year, Diane and I, you know, we're talking about Jesus gives peace, not like the world gives. Every year, her and I, we go for our annual physicals, and you should do that, if at all possible. And we do that. And every year when the tests come back, and they're all positive and good, there's, you know... And, and that's wonderful. But then, but then it, there's always on, on a couple of those tests, as you're reading them, you know, going through, all good, 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 good. And then, and then down at the bottom it says, this test, though a good one, and I'm putting in my own words, this test, though a good test and all of that, does not necessarily guarantee that everything is totally and completely wonderful because there are some things that could be there that this test doesn't catch. How many has ever read anything like that? Yes or no? So, I mean, you're reading a report, good, 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 and then you read that, <laughs> well, this test doesn't necessarily catch everything. 
Well, that can, that can hinder the, that natural peace that comes from the world. Can it not? But did you know that you can have the peace of God even when the doctor's report, including the fine print, doesn't have anything good to say? Did you know that? You really can. You really can. It's possible. You can have the peace of God no matter what the doctor is saying. I don't know if you're like me, but if you have a you know, pain hit you here or you notice a little thing on your skin or this or that. How many is human in here besides me? Let me see if I, if there's a few people didn't raise their hands, I can't help you. I guess you're from the Mars or I don't know. But, you know, right away, what happens? The, the mind will go into it. How many of you know when you're dealing with your mind, the devil, he deals in the... You see, the devil doesn't really deal in the spiritual realm so much as he deals in, in, the, in the emotional realm, in the thought life. So it's, it's not bad enough that you got your own thoughts going on, but you got that scoundrel, the devil, throwing thoughts at you too. Do you hear what I just said? And, 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 and if you're like me when, you know, there's a, an ache here or a pain there, depending on where it is, and then the devil starts up right away, you can lose your peace. Has anybody lost their peace real quick? Or the, you know, the letter comes in the mail from the interview where you're, you're really needing that job. And the letter comes and you start reading, dear, dear so-and-so, dear Terry. We're grateful to have interviewed with you. However, but don't you hate those howevers? And you can just lose the however can take a peace peace right away from you, can it? But it it can take the world kind of peace away from you, but it can't take the peace of God away from you. But you can have the peace of God no matter how many howevers are on the piece of paper telling you they don't want you, or they don't need you at that business. Is that right? Oh yeah. I've gotten a letter like that before. And, and the president of the school board uh, wanted me to have the job, but I got interviewed and they didn't want me to have the teaching job. The people that interviewed me, and I told Diane for sure, I'm going to get a letter saying they've accepted me. And I got down to however. And all the peace, because I needed that job financially. This is before we started the church. All the peace, just I'm crying. Looking back at it, if I'd have got that job, it would have hindered the church. And I won't go through that whole story with you again. But, but yet, I, we, you can maintain the peace of God no matter what the circumstance. Because it's the Lord's peace, and He doesn't give it the way the world gives it. The world, you know, Job said, I think it was Job, he said, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But, but, but the Lord really doesn't take it away. Job didn't really understand what he was saying when he said that. The Lord's not a taker, the Lord's a giver. And when he gives you something, when he gives you something, he doesn't give it like the world gives. The world give you something, the world take it away, but the Lord doesn't take it away. Isn't that good to know? So he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give. And then he says something, we're going to talk about it more in just a minute. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be Afraid. Now hold that. We're going to come back to that verse in a minute. But go to Galatians 5.22. Because I've heard Christians now. I'm talking about Christians say. Well I just, I just don't have any peace. Well 
you need to realize, just like with the joy of the Lord, which we talked about last week, when, when you get saved, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you get the peace of God deposited on the inside of you. You need to realize that you do have peace. It's, it's in there. Notice Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love and then joy and then peace. So, so you've got the capacity for it. But remember we told you last week, peace, just like joy, it's a fruit. And, and, and a fruit... Can, can a fruit wither? Can it wither? Did we show you last week that joy could wither? Did we or didn't we? Yes. Well, you could lose your peace. Did you know that? How many have ever lost your peace? I've lo- I mean, that's the way I say it. It's still in there, but you've essentially... You, it, it, it's in there, but it's not in manifestation. You know what I mean? You've lost it. Not lost it that it's not there, but you're not experiencing it. But I just want you to know that, uh, that if, you're, if you're a Christian, you've got the capacity to have the peace of God. Are you okay? Now notice in John, the 20th chapter, after Jesus was raised from the dead, he came among his disciples. John 20, verse 19, says, The same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews... Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, what did he say? Peace be unto you or peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad. They saw the Lord. And Jesus, now notice he said to them, what? Again, peace be to you. As the Father sent me, I send you. Now how many times did he say peace to them within two verses? He said twice, didn't he? Verse 19, peace unto you, peace be with you. And then in verse 21, peace to you. And then go to verse 26. After eight days, his disciples were in, again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, stood in the midst and said, now this is eight days later, what, do, what does he say? Why does Jesus keep saying, peace be to you, peace be to you, peace be to you? I believe because peace is real easy to lose. Now, not losing that it's not there, because we saw that you get it when you get saved, but just the manifestation of it. Just How many of you know a circumstance can come and, and just squash that peace? A doctor's report can come and squash that peace. A bill can come that you weren't expecting and squash that peace. How many's ever got a bill you wasn't expecting? It just squashes your peace. Yes or no? Now, this is not a real technical message here today. Don't don't make this technical. This is everyday life here. Anybody's ever got a bill in the mail and you fell on the floor? Or or or, or you just paid something, you got it paid and then something else started knocking. I was up here at the church on, I guess it was Thursday, and Diane calls me. And I said, hello. And she says, there's something weird going on over here at the house. I said, what are you talking about? Weird. She said, weird. She said, I said, what do you mean weird? She said, all the toilet bowls are sucking dry of the water. They're just, just, 
And I thought, what are you talking about? I'm thinking, all the toilet bowls. I thought, what kind of toilet bowl cleaner are you using? I mean, we need to put that on the market. I mean, self-cleaning, to, just sucking the water dry. Just kind of like Ross Perot said years ago when he was at the sucking sound going to Mexico, you know, of all the jobs. Well, there was a sucking sound in my toilets. So I got in the car. We only live a few minutes away. I drive, I drive over there. I come in the house. And, and she said, well, it's kind of stopped. Of course, you know, and so I'm thinking, yeah. And then, and then I hear it, and I go into the bathroom. We're just sucking, just sucking. The water, just sucking it away. You know, what is going on here? And, I'm, and then the cash register starts ringing in my head because I'm thinking we're going to have to get a plumber out here. And those people aren't cheap, you know. It's kind of like when we were building the building here. I talked about that a moment ago. And they hit rock out here digging the sewer. And they had one of those bulldozers out here with one of those jackhammers on it. Boom, 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 boom. And I'm standing up here and the guy gets off to take a break. And he comes up and he says, Pastor, let me tell you something about that jackhammer. And I said, what's that? He said, you know how it goes, boom, 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 boom. I said, yeah. He said, every time that hits, it's $10, 10 20 30 40 50 And he was, he was right. Those things aren't cheap. So there's a sucking sound in my toilets. And that's, I just, how many of you know that's not going to be cheap to fix that? <laughs> How many of you know sometimes the problem is finding the problem? You know, what's causing that? So long story short, we both kind of came up with it at the same time. Maybe MSD, the Sur District, maybe they're doing some testing on the lines or something. So I drove over to where the station was, and sure enough, MSD was over there, and they were performing a test on it. And I said, thank you, Lord, because that that's all it was. And then I did some Googling on it to just see... And, and I came across this story that out of Florida, I think it was, where they did a similar test, only instead of the toilet sucking down, the lady said, I was just standing there minding my own business, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden water shot up out of my toilet into the ceiling. And this other guy said, I had the toilet lid shut, he said, and, and sort of bubbling out of it, you know. And another guy, the reporter said, he said, there's one guy that lives down there. He was, he was sitting on the toilet when this occurred, and he didn't want to go on camera. <laughs> you can look that up on Google, on YouTube. But has anything ever happened and the cash register starts ringing in your mind? How many of you know that can play with your peace? But... We can, in the midst of that, have the peace of God. Are you okay? So why did Jesus keep saying, peace be to you, peace be to you, peace be to you? Because I believe that the reason he said that, I believe it's because peace is real easy to lose. And I don't mean, now don't get technical on me. I don't mean lose it and that it's gone. You've got the peace of God in you. But circumstances can tamper that down. Is that right? It's kind of like if you've got a fire burning here and you take a, take a blanket and start beating that fire, what's going to happen? The fire's still there, but you've what? You've tampered it down. You okay? And how many of you know circumstances can, can, can toy and tamper down with your peace? Is that right? I believe that Jesus, and, and if you read the epistles, the, you know, the letters that Paul and Peter and other ones, John, wrote to the churches, 
They kept saying this over and over again. Peace be to you. Peace to, to the Christians. Peace be to you. Peace be to you. Peace be to you. Why is that? Because I believe it's real easy for peace to be lost or tampered down. You know, it's not easy to lose salvation. It's almost impossible. Baby Christians can't even do it, and it's almost impossible. Salvation is almost impossible to lose. The only way you could lose salvation is if you, on purpose, being a mature Christian, on purpose, knowing what you're doing, walked away from the Lord and cursed Him and counted His blood unholy. If you did that, you could lose your salvation. I've never met a Christian yet that's done that. Salvation is not easy to lose. But do you know peace is easy to lose? And I don't mean... Lose it that it's not there. I mean what? Tamper down. Did you hear me? And I believe that's why the Lord again and again and again and again say, Peace be to you, peace be to you, peace be to you. Is a temper easy to lose? Pastor, have you ever seen a Christian lose their temper? Have you ever seen a pastor lose their temper? I've seen pastors, preachers throw tennis rackets, beat golf clubs into the ground, curse on the golf course, kick things. Paul and Barnabas got in an argument and fight, didn't they? Not a physical fight, probably. I don't think there was any fisticuffs. But they, got, they had such a sharp argument and disagreement, they parted company. We're talking the Apostle Paul and Barnabas over whether or not to take John Mark on the second missionary journey. How many remembers that? Tempers are easy to lose. Should we lose them? No. Pastor Terry, have you ever lost your temper? Yeah, I have. Since you've been saved? Yeah. And not very often, but I have lost my temper occasionally. I certainly lost it teaching junior high. I had one girl, she smarted off at me and she smarted off again and, and she smarted off again and I'm standing there grabbing the desk, my knuckles turning white. She kept smarting off and I lost it. Has anybody ever lost it besides me? And I went after her. I didn't touch her. I wanted to. I did. And I started screaming at her and she turned and I ran around this way and I'm screaming at her and she turned and I ran, I ran full circle around her screaming and yelling. I had all, several other teachers come over to see what was going on. But you know what? After that, she never fooled with me anymore. I remember one time, is it all right if I tell you another story? I was teaching, I was substitute teaching. Not, I, I had, we'd gone to, I, I taught for several years, then we, we resigned. We went to Bible school. We came back to St. Louis, and before we were, we were just getting ready to start the church, and I was doing some substitute teaching, and I went back to the school district where I had taught for many years, and, uh, and, and, and so I'm in there teaching for this uh, social studies teacher. And I was a math teacher, but I was subbing for a social studies teacher, and I knew her. And she was going to be out for a couple of days. And, and so I was scheduled in there for that one day, and she knew I was going to be in there. And she leaves me a note, and she says, Terry, she says, um, I know you're a good teacher, and you always had good discipline, but uh, fifth period right after lunch is going to really test you. I'm thinking, oh, great. And first hour, second hour, third hour, different teachers there knew me from before, and they said, fifth hour is going to test you. 
it's going to be a tough, tough go that fifth hour. Said so most subs don't make it through fifth hour. This really cheered me up. That's right after lunch, right after the sugar's kicking in, you know, and all these talking junior high. And and so <laughs> the class comes in, and this one kid comes in that looks like maybe he should have been on WWF wrestling, and uh, he had a uh, uh, like a nurse that traveled with him because, because of his behavior was so bad. And she was there to calm him down. And so it was like a nurse, you know, traveling with him. And so they, uh, the class comes, comes in. They sit down and they're all eyeing me up because, you know, a sub's going to, you know. And uh, one of the toughest things to do is be a substitute school teacher. And so anyway, they all come in the room. And in comes the, this guy that looked like he was from the cage match in WWF WrestleMania. He's sitting in the back. And in comes his nurse. And she sits back there. And you could just tell she, this was going to be entertaining for her. Well, the bell rings. And no more than the bell rings, the lights go off. Two of the shades go. And the filing cabinet crashes to the floor. And Mr. Scheel here, as I'm affectionately known in the teaching arena, proceeded to lose the peace of God and everything else. No, I didn't technically lose it. It was all tampered down. And I went off on that group. It's kind of like the one guy said, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me. Oh, the Hulk said, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. And I turned into the incredible Hulk. And I went off on that group, and I screamed, and I yelled, and I slammed, the, I slammed my hand on the desk, and there was a, a trash can, a little knee-high trash can, and I kicked that thing, and it went flying, bang, into the door, you know. And that nurse scared her so bad, she got up and left. And the rest of the class calmed down instantly. And I told them, I said, from now on, I'm doing the talking, you're doing the listening. I don't want to hear a peep out of anybody. I said, you're going to sit there, you're going to pay attention. And you know what? We went for the next 50 minutes, and there was total calm, total tranquility, total peace in that room. And after... School was over because I had 6th hour and 7th hour. The principal comes in. And he had known me from before. He said, he said Mr. Sheely, he said, I need to tell you something. He said, that nurse came over and told me that you're crazy. <laughs> and she wanted me to call the police. Because she was afraid of the well-being of the class. And he said, if it had been anybody other than you, Mr. Sheel, I would have called the police. But he said, I know you. And, and he, said, he said, we've never had a sub make it through that fifth period until you. He said, don't tell anybody, Mr. Sheel, but way to go. <laughs> so, yes, I've lost my temper. And all you need to do is teach junior high for a while and maybe you'll lose yours too. So salvation is almost impossible to lose. Tempers are easy to lose. And peace 
is easy to lose. You know what I mean. Do you still love me after telling you the junior high story? I could tell you all kinds of stories. Can I tell you another one? I'm teaching one day down there at this school. This was when I was teaching. And, and when I first started teaching, you didn't wear a hat in my classroom and you didn't sleep. You know, years later, I'd run, we'd run into students at the, at the mall. And they said, Mr. Shield, at the time we hated your class because you made us mine. But uh, you know what? All these years have come and gone. And you know, you're the only class we learned anything in because we weren't able to act up. You made us uh, behave and learn. You know, so that's good. But I'm teaching down there one day, and uh, this kid, he was, it was, uh, it's okay, I seldom tell stories, but let me tell you a story. I'm teaching down there, and, and, and this kid was a behavior problem, and, and he's sitting off to the side, because I had him off to the side at a table there, you know, because he was a behavior problem. And uh, so I'm up teaching, and uh, long story short, I'm up there teaching, and I hear this, <sighs> And I look over, because he'd come in every day, he'd always be a couple minutes late, he'd come in, he'd look over at me, tap his hat, and he'd go back and he'd sit down. But anyway, he'd go, and so I look back and he's got his head, hat on, doing that. Now I probably wouldn't do this, you know I'd go to prison for a lot of these things today, <laughs> I was teaching today. But anyway, so he, he, and I said, Mr. So-and-so, would you raise up your head please, and pay attention, and he does, and so third time, because you get three times in my class, I said, Mr. So-and-so, because I always call those junior high kids Mr. and Miss, it freaks them out. So I said, Mr. So-and-so, I said, would you ra- raise up and take your hat off and pay attention? So I set my chalk down, I set my book down, and I proceed to walk back to Mr. So-and-so. And the whole class is just watching me. Wonder, what am I going to do when I get there? And I didn't know what I was going to do when I got there. So I get over there to him, I get right up above him, and I said, Mr. So-and-so, I won't tell you his name, would you please raise your head up and pay attention? And he goes, <laughs> and so I don't know, I lost, I guess I just, I don't know what happened to me, but I, went, <clears throat> I did that. Right side of him. And when I did that, I mean, I hit it really hard. When I did that, he, he went up like that. His hat flipped back. He grabbed his heart. <laughs> the blood drains and he backs up again the wall. And he slides down. I scared him. So I thought, oh, my God, I've killed this guy. I was going to go to prison. But you can't let on. And so you have to act like you planned it all. You knew it was going to happen. And so he, he crawls up off the floor, and he's mad as a wet hornet. And he comes over to me, and I say, oh, my gosh, because this guy was in eighth grade, but he should have been in tenth because he failed twice. A big kid, he comes over, he looks at me, and I say, oh, my gosh, he's going he's to beat the tar out of me. What am I going to do? And he says, Sheil, I hate your guts. I said, you do? He said, I do. He said, it's going down right now, here and now, buddy. We're going to arm wrestle for control of the classroom. And, I said, and so you probably want to know what I did. I, I called the vice principal and had him take him out. Come on, guys. Some of this stuff is, you need to go down there and teach for a while. You'd come back with some stories, too. I'm talking about, what am I talking about? I'm talking about losing your temper. I see these, I see these people on television, these some of these newscasters, and they say, because, well, now that teacher shouldn't have raised their voice to that student. And I'm thinking, you know what, lady or gentleman there on the newscaster, let's put you in that room and see how good you would do after they called you everything but a nice person. Huh? Come on now. 
So you're going to probably think I'm a meanie. No, I was a pretty easy guy, but I'm just trying to tell you, if the, if the preacher could lose his temper, you could possibly lose your temper. Is that right? So what do we need to yield to? The peace of God. I haven't told stories for a long time. I got bunches of them. Yeah, I got bunches of them. I've had every kind of thing you can imagine. You think that's something. You haven't seen nothing until you start teaching some of the churches I've taught in. My goodness gracious. I had one guy come in and beat a lady come in and beat her husband up with a fan belt from a car car one time right when I'm teaching. Come on, you haven't had, you ain't, come on. This is easy in here today. You ain't seen nothing. Have a lady come in and beat her husband up with a fan belt off of a truck. Beat him up right there in the middle of the church service while I'm teaching on the book of Revelation. Yes, you, you, you hadn't seen nothing. I had an usher shot a guy outside the church. The, not here, it was out in another area, but the guy came up. He just got out of prison and he wanted in to see his ex-girlfriend. She didn't want to see him and the usher was the girlfriend's stepdad. So the ex-convict pulled a knife on the usher and the usher, usher pulled out his gun and shot him in the leg. I mean, come on. I've seen, this is easy. This is easy. I had people in that particular church. I mean, come on, guys. Somebody put their false teeth into the offering for crying out loud. So why did you do that? Because the pastor ran. So why did you do that? said, well, pastor, you were preaching. We need to give to this church. And he said, I've been here for 20 years. I've given everything I got. The only thing I had left was my false teeth. So I put them in and I... I mean, I've had every kind of thing happen that you can imagine in a church. This is easy. You all are easy. Maybe I'm cheering you up a little bit. Maybe I've seen all kinds of them. We've seen all sorts of things. I had one guy come out one night, not in this church, in that same church. <laughs> I won't go into the details of it, but he took a jump rope, tied it. <laughs> he took a jump rope, tied it to a gallon of milk. He came out and started swinging it in the back of the church. I mean, I mean, you know, you see why I don't tell these stories? I got these people. These people are sitting out there because you're crazy. That's why <laughs> I don't know why. We still don't know. Oh yeah, boogie woogie time. Yeah, I was teaching in this certain church in Oklahoma, and. Um, and, and, the, and it was deader than a doornail in that church. Deader, you know what I mean? Deader than a door. It was deader than a door. The first couple of songs, just everything, just everything, deader than a door. It was deader than a doornail. And so the music changed, and it started getting more lively. And the pastor was standing right, right side of me, and he stands up and he says, All right, it's boogie woogie time. <laughs> Something and so okay and so then he, so I finally I get up to preach I finally get up there to preach and I'm up there preaching and uh, so so then you got the kids on the back row and they're and they're playing race cars on the back row and then the baby starts crying and the mother hands the baby to the father and I'm thinking thank goodness they're gonna the kids gonna be quiet now and the baby the kid, father starts throwing the kids straight up in the air I mean I've had every kind of thing you can imagine and things you shouldn't have huh. Pastor, then I looked over the boogie woogie pastor. I start preaching, and he's out like a light. He just slept through the whole thing. That's unbelievable. So you people are nice people. What does this have to do with the Word of God? I don't know. I'm glad nobody's got up and left yet. Let me get back to it here. So is it easy to lose your temper? 
Yeah. Okay, let me... All right. How to maintain God's peace and not lose it. Okay, let me give you a few things and we'll, we'll be done. Second Peter 1, 2. Let's go there. I could tell stories all afternoon. Second Peter 1, 2. Uh, while you're turning there, I remember I used to tell these stories to my Merrimack classes when I taught there. And, and they'd evaluate me at the end of every session and one thing they almost everyone wrote said Mr. Shield keep telling your stories we love your stories so okay how can you maintain God's peace second peter 1 2 grace and peace be what so you know what you can have the peace of God multiplied to you you know what multiplication is if you're taking notes you can write this down this this is a math deal addition's good but multiplication is repeated addition so, so uh, rapid, repeated addition. So if you like addition, multiplication is even better. So you can not only have the peace of God added to you, but you can have it what? Multiplied to you. But how are you going to get, how's that going to happen? In the what? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. So if you want your peace multiplied, and by the way, that grace there, in case you're going to be technical on me, that grace there is not talking about saving grace. It's talking about serving grace and standing grace. See, there's different types of grace. There's saving grace. That's talking about um, serving grace, standing grace can be multiplied as well as the peace of God can be multiplied. But how does it get multiplied in the what? Come on now, help me. So the more you know about God and the more you know about the Lord Jesus Christ who is the Son of God, what's that going to cause happen in your life? Peace to be what? You're not going to get the peace of God multiplied, that peace that Jesus has left with us. You're not going to get that multiplied without knowledge of the Word of God. The greater you know the Word of God, the greater capacity is for your peace. You okay? Now here's another one, Romans 8, 6. Romans 8, 6. Now watch this. Now this one here disqualifies a lot of Christians from the... Full peace of God. For to be what? Carnally, that means earthly minded, fleshly minded. Set your affection on the things of the earth. If you have that kind of a mentality, what is that? It is what? Death. But to be what? Spiritually minded is what? Life and what? Peace. So if you want the peace of God in full... You're going to have to set your mind on the things of the Word of God, the things of God, the, the things of heaven. You're going to have to set your, your mind on that. Or you're not going to walk in the full peace of God. Did you hear what I just said? To be carnally minded is what? Is what? Is what? What does it mean to be carnally minded? It means that you love the cardinals more than you love Jesus. Oh, yeah, and you know most Christians do, by the way. Boy, I hate to say that, but it's the truth. It, you got to love Jesus more than the rams. Remember, a lamb died on Calvary, not a ram. And the lamb will never leave you nor forsake you, but the rams did, didn't they? Huh? 
You know, when I said that years ago at the direction of the Holy Ghost, when the Rams were on their way to the Super Bowl and the, the church in St. Louis, I'm talking about St. Louis, was more excited about that than the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost had me stand right up there and say, to the, say uh, don't ever forget a lamb died for you on Calvary, not a ram. And I tell you what, that's as close as I ever came to getting stoned. And I don't mean drunk. People didn't like that. But guess what? All these years came and gone, and the rams have long since gone. But Jesus, the lamb, will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? But, 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 but here, here's one. If you'll show up for the party, but you won't show up for the teaching of the Word of God. Huh? Is to be carnally minded versus spiritually minded. I'm going to say that again. Now that now I can, you know what? If I were to step on my wife's toes, would you know that? You know, you know, in the spirit, you can tell when you step on people's toes, just like in the. If you'll show up for the the cake and the ice cream, but you won't show up for the word of God, you're carnally minded, not spiritually minded. Did you get what I just said? Did you get that? Did, I mean, somebody might have had to say, "Ooh, that one stung a little, Pastor," but I'm here to help you. Come on now. To be carnally minded, you'll show up for the party, but you won't show up for the teaching of the Word of God. Huh? That just says you're what? Carnally minded. And in the end, that will produce what? Death. Not necessarily even going to hell. I mean, you could read that in there, but he's talking to Christians here. But I've watched Christians set their affection on things of the earth. How many of you know I'm not against the cardinals? I'm not against, but I'm just saying Jesus ought to be more important to you than the cardinals. Is that right? Is that right? And, and, and to set your affection on all of that, I've, I've watched Christians, they'll go rah, rah, sis, boom, bah for the game, but when you, we're going to teach the Word of God, they ain't nowhere to be found. Well, that, that's carnal mindedness. Is that right? Now, that, how many of you know you can't make it to everything and sometimes you're out of town or sometimes you got it at work or this or that, but on general rule, general day in, day out, week in, week out, if you'll show up for the party, the cake and the ice cream, but you won't show up for the Word of God, you're, you are carnally minded, not spiritually minded. And that's just the way it is. Is that right? It is. But to be spiritually minded, if the Word of God is more important to you than anything else, what will it do? It will produce what? It will produce life and what? Peace. Here's another one, Isaiah 26.3. Somebody said, Pastor Terry, go back to telling your story. <laughs> You're stepping on our toes now. Isaiah 26.3. You, talking about God, will keep him in what? How many want to be in perfect peace? That's a peace that Jesus gives that he doesn't take away. You'll keep him in perfect peace. You see, a lot of people want to stop there. But you can't stop there. You've got to finish the verse. You will keep him in perfect peace. Whose what? Mind thinks about you once in a while. Whose mind thinks about you on Sunday morning for 50 minutes. Whose mind occasionally... Thinks on you once and only whose mind thinks on you just when a problem crops up. No, you'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is what stayed on you because he trusted you. That word stayed means it's fixed. I, you think about a dog, a hungry dog taking a hold of a bone. Can you picture that a hungry dog taking hold of a bone or a piece of meat? 
you're going to have a hard time getting that bone or that meat away from that dog. Is that right? Well, that's how you're supposed to fix your mind on the Word of God. Fix it on there and don't let it come off for any reason. And that person, that person will experience what? Perfect peace. That person can hear the most negative doctor's report and yet they'll stay in perfect peace. That person can have, have, have bills come against them and still have perfect peace. That person can have all hell come against them in every way you can think of it. And they'll stand there in what? In perfect peace. Why? Because they have fixed their mind on the Word of God and on God Himself. Did you hear me? So this peace doesn't just happen by accident. We're going to have to do something, aren't we? Now then, and I'll further show this to you and we'll close. Go to John 14, 27. We'll, we'll begin to close here. I didn't have all those stories in my notes, so. John 14, 27. Jesus said, now we read this earlier, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as world gives do I give. And then that next word, let. Real loud say, let. Let. That's up to you. Now it's up to you. Are you going to let your heart be troubled? He said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be. That's up to you. It's your choice. Are you going to yield to the peace of God? Are you going to yield to the circumstance? And what did I tell you a while ago about having your mind fixed on the Lord? The reason that's so important is because the devil works in the arena of the mind. Did you hear what I just said? I said the devil works in the arena of the mind. Those fiery darts. He throws those fiery darts, those thoughts. And if you don't have your mind, spirit, if, your mind if you're not thinking on spiritual things and you don't have your mind fixed on the Word of God, the devil is going to have a heyday with you. He's going to toy with you. Did you hear me? I mean, I mean the devil will be able to scare you with a little splinter in your finger. Oh my gosh, it's going to get infected and spread everywhere and kill me. I mean, did you, I mean, that's how the devil operates. But you need to stay your mind, and I do too, on the Word of God. Be spiritually minded. Keep our mind on God. Stay it on Him. Fix it on Him. And then make that decision to not yield to the thoughts the devil throws at us. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. I'm going to read this in the Amplified Bible. It'll be on the screen. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My own peace I give to you and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. And do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Something we've got to do. See, we want God to do everything for us. And He's done a lot, but there are some things He leaves up to us. And this is one of them. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. Do not permit yourselves to be fearful. Don't permit yourselves to be intimidated. Don't be cowardly and unsettled. Now that might be easier said than done, but it can be done because if it couldn't be done, God wouldn't have told us to do it. Right? Colossians 3.15. Just two more of these. 
watch this, Colossians 3.15, and let, let, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Is that up to, is, let the peace of God, that's the peace Jesus left with us, but we have to what? Let it rule in our hearts. Right? Let it. Let it. Let it. You, you getting what the Spirit of God's saying to you there? Let it. You've got to let it. So it could be there and you not yield to it. You've got to let it rule in your hearts. To which also you are called in one body and be thankful. I found a key to letting the peace of God rule is being thankful in the midst of any situation. No matter, and this is one thing I'm pretty good at. Some things I'm not, but, but this is one good thing. I, one thing I'm pretty good at. I'm pretty good at being thankful. Because sometimes I'll go through, oh, it could be better. Could be better. You know, wait a minute. Let's be thankful for what we do have. You know. The other morning I said to you, you know what, Diane? You know, we wake up, we've got a nice bed here that we're laying in, you know. First of all, we have the Lord. Second, we have each other. Third, we're healthy. Fourth, we've got a nice bed and a nice house to live in, you know. And, and I listed about a dozen different things. Much to, and I could have li- That particular morning there was one thing I could have been grinding over and have no peace. But I decided let's be thankful for these 50 other things here we could be thankful for. Right? And, that, and you know what? When I weighed those dozen or two dozen things to be thankful for against that one thing I could have lost my peace over, that one thing just kind of faded away and I didn't think about it the rest of the day. Hear me? Yeah. So I, I let the peace of God rule in my, hearts, in my heart. And now look at Philippians 4, 6 and we'll close. Philippians 4, 6. Philippians 4, 6. I hope this is helping you today. Be, see, this is up. It's we have to be, we have to do it. Be anxious for what? For nothing. Yeah, but pastor, you don't you don't know what I'm facing. Did he say? Does did he say be anxious for? I could say it this way: Don't worry about anything. That's another way you could say that. Don't worry. Or be fretful or fearful about anything. Okay? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, there it is again, with what? Thanksgiving. So how can I let the peace of God rule? Well, be spiritually minded. Fix your mind on the Lord. And so on. Be thankful. Let your requests be made known to God. And and then, look, be anxious for nothing. In everything by prayer and supplicate, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which we talked about this, which what? Surpasses all understanding. You can't explain it. You can't explain it. Will what? Will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Now, that's a good deal, isn't it? I said, that's one of the best deals you could have right there. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, is guarding your hearts and... And I don't mean your physical blood pump. I'm talking about your spirit. It will guard your spirit and your mind. I want the peace of God guarding my spirit and my mind. How about you? Now, is that going to happen automatically? No, you're going to have to be anxious. You're on purpose. You're going to have to be spiritually minded, not carnally minded. You're going to have to fix your mind on the Word of God. And then you're going to have to, on purpose, let that peace rule in your hearts. You understand that? 
and be anxious for nothing. Be thankful for what you do have instead of looking at what you don't. Ah, but I just got a grumpy boss. Well, at least you've got a boss. A lot of people looking for a job. Somebody needed to hear that. I got a grumpy boss. At least you got one. A lot of people don't have a job. How many would rather have a grumpy boss than no boss? Is that right? So be thankful. Lord, I'm so thankful that I've got a boss. Now, I'm not thankful that he's grumpy, but I'm thankful i got a boss. That means i got a job. Right? You see how that works right there? That's a good example. Well, this car that I got, it just doesn't, it just doesn't, it just, just doesn't run quite smooth. Well, at least you've got a car. So what do you get thankful for what you do have? Right? Is that right? Well, my shoes are, shoes are old. I just don't. Hey, what, how, do you do, how do you get the peace of God? Be thankful that you have shoes. Some people don't have shoes. See what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm saying? Get thankful for what you do have. Be, don't worry about anything. But, but, but be thankful. And if you'll do that, the peace of God which cannot be explained, which passes all understanding, will guard your spirit and your mind through Christ Jesus. Well, I hope I got something across to you today. I didn't mean to tell all them stories, but maybe they made you chuckle a little bit. You know, Mary Hart doth good like a medicine. So, Well, anyway, you going to let the peace of God rule in your heart? Yeah. Did I tell you how to do it today? Well, stand with me if you would. Like they said in the announcements, if you